You are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Locked On Jazz for the 9th of April. The Denver Nuggets come to town. They're strangely slumping and awfully good at the same time. Two notes that might be a bit disconcerting for the Utah Jazz as they head into the offseason. An interesting athletic poll and a Time Machine Tuesday. It's all coming up on a fun edition of Locked on Jazz. Pow! How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA Insider. This is Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and hopefully making it fun to be a Jazz fan. This show is available to you on the Himalaya app, as well as on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or just tell your smart device when you get in the car to play podcast, Locked on Jazz. Uh, hope you're good. It's great to be back with you. Uh, fun one tonight, Denver Nuggets. The Northwest Division champion Denver Nuggets, in all likelihood. Don't think they could slip behind Portland before it's over. It's so confusing. Uh, Denver is at 27 losses. Portland's at 29. So I guess in theory they could slip behind Portland somehow before it's over. I don't didn't think so, but maybe. Uh, no, they are the Northwest Division champions. They have that tiebreaker. So confusing. Uh, for the Here's where the Jazz sit. For the Jazz to get home court advantage, they would have to win their final two. Portland would have to lose their final two at L.A. tonight and then at home against Sacramento. Uh, it's not totally impossible, but it seems unlikely. The Houston Rockets, without head coach Mike D'Antoni, play the Oklahoma City Thunder today, tonight. If Houston wins that game, then the Jazz are the five seed and Portland is the four seed, and we know where we're going for the playoffs. If Oklahoma City wins that game and the Jazz lose tonight, then... We don't know where we're going. Then it's still possible the Jazz could slide to six with a loss to the Clippers if Oklahoma City beats Milwaukee. (coughs) Excuse me. And we don't know who three and four are because Houston and Portland would still not be decided if Houston were to lose to Oklahoma City tonight and finish 53 and 29 and Portland were to win out. Portland goes to three, and Houston goes to four. The wild card here also is if Denver were to lose tonight to Utah and Houston were to win, Denver could slide to three. If Houston wins tonight, the Jazz are set at four. Okay? Or excuse me, set at five. You got all that? Does that all make any sense to you? Who knows? Sounds from the injury report like Derek Favors will be back tonight. He is probable. Don't know whether he'd play in L.A. on the back end of the back-to-back or not. Denver comes in as a really interesting team, uh, researching them last night. few things that jumped out to me. So they're they're 53-27, and have had a a great, great year. Um, They finish up playing us tonight, and then they play Minnesota at home to close the season. Uh, the next night at home. The uh, They are the 7th ranked offensive team and the 10th ranked defensive team in the league. 
and their stat profile is impressive. They have won 32 games against above 500 teams this year. They must have played a bunch of above 500 teams early that are no longer above 500 because they end up playing 50 games against above 500 teams, and we ended up playing 41 against above 500 teams. The, um, but So they have 32 wins against above 500 teams. The Jazz have 19. What's interesting about them, and it is obviously related to altitude, is how different they are home versus road. And I think that'll be a really interesting question for them as they move through the playoffs. They have used that home court advantage as they should with the mile high. They are 33-7 and seven at home. They're 20-20 and 20 on the road, so that's not bad in any way, shape, or form. They're just very different. And they have some unique numbers to them. Their defense is four and a half points worse on the road than at home. But their offense... Their offense is nine points worse on the road than at home. That's really strange. They have been a, they are the second ranked offensive team in the league at home and the 19th ranked offensive team on the road. Seems weird. They have been a, really a, since they started playing a hard schedule, unlike early in the year when they had a soft schedule, they have been a middle-of-the-road 500-level team. This was kind of what I talked about all year long, that they they would play a soft schedule early, get rolling. Their first 22 games, their differential, was, or their efficiency differential was a six. Their last 19 games, it's even. So it's hard to tell necessarily. You know, this weird season where so many of these schedules were bundled together. The other one that's weird about them is they are in a collective offensive shooting slump. Over the last 10 games, they are shooting. They are the 28th ranked offensive team. They are 29th in the league in shooting. Nikola Jokic over the last 10 games is 17% from three. Jamal Murray is 29%. Paul Millsap shooting 40%. Over the last five games, Gary Harris and Will Barton are both shooting 35%. Harris is 16% from three and Barton's 24%. They have, they have really been beaten up and injured a bit in this run of a, such a great season. Uh, and it, it seems to have worn them out a bit. But the off the collective offensive slump is strange. They have found a way to win ball games, though. To their credit, they there's a bunch of games they came back to beat Detroit um, when it looked like they were on the ropes. They came back to beat Washington when it looked like they were on the ropes. They snuck out an Indiana 102-100 win. They snuck out a Dallas late game win. Um, so to their credit, in games that could have spent their season a completely different fashion. While not playing great in March, they went and won seven straight or six straight games, many of which were close, and that solidified them to likely be the two spot. So that, to me, is where they probably just deserve the credit. They have two statistical things that are a bit strange. One is that teams have just missed threes against them. So teams are shooting 34% from three against them, the lowest in the NBA, and particularly the above the break three, and that's usually a number that, in all honesty, just kind of is luck. It would be the same thing to say, though, 
in fairness to them, that the last two or three years they were 29th in the league, and that seemed like luck also, um, you know, in, in a bad way. So I think you have to be careful. Like, just don't discredit what Denver's done this year. They are 30-15 and 15 this year in games in which we're within five with five minutes left, and their defense was, has been amazing at a 98.7 when their regular defense is a 107. Teams have missed an inordinate amount of shots against them. The other one is they are an unbelievably great offensive rebounding team late in games. They, in the, they have a 41% offensive rebounding rate in the last minute of close games. They have a f- 35% in the final five minutes of close games. We're the number one defensive rebounding team in the league. So that's an interesting little match there. It also makes me wonder if that falls apart on them in the playoffs. Does the fact that they're just actually not that great a shooting team, but that the brilliance of their offense is largely predicated on that they offensive rebounding has become offensive and defensive rebounding become more important as offenses have gotten better. They've taken advantage of that and did a really smart thing. Um, in the way that they're playing, and and that's been that's been impressive. Uh, so anyway, that's my thoughts on Denver. Here are two notes for you on the Utah Jazz that I think are a little disconcerting as you look to the playoffs. Of the eight Western Conference playoff teams, the Jazz have lost the most games they led going to the fourth quarter this year. They're forty-four and nine. When leading to go to the fourth quarter, Oklahoma City's lost seven. The Warriors actually have lost five, as have the Rockets. Denver's 43-1 and one when leading going to the fourth quarter. Portland's 48-4. and four. San Antonio's 38-4. and four. The Clippers are 38-2. and two. We're 44-9. and nine. The interesting note there is that we've led in 53 games... After three quarters, that's the same amount as the Warriors. That's more than the Rockets. That's more than it's more than any team in the Western Conference. We've led through three quarters. That leads me to think we're really, really good. Then the losing nine isn't great. The other one that's not great is our record against plus 500 teams. We're 19 and 22. We're the only Western Conference playoff team other than the Clippers with a losing record against above 500 teams. And somehow, as hard as our schedule was, we ended up playing less five above 500 teams. Uh, we played 41. The Warriors played 51. They're 35 and 16. The Nuggets played 52, and they're 32 and 18. Houston's 26 and 16. Portland's 28 and 19. We're 19 and 22. So take that for whatever it is. Today's show is brought to you by Murdoch Hyundai. I am driving the brand new Santa Fe, and once again, the technology blows me away. Now, here's what's interesting about this. is I, I'll be honest. I was in a rush. I had the Tucson. They're selling the Tucson so fast, which is their smaller SUV, that I had to turn my Tucson back in because it got sold. And I, Blake and I, I was in a rush. I think I was heading either to a game or the airport, and Blake was in a rush. And so they put me in a new Santa Fe. He didn't tell me about any of the new features. It's the coolest thing. First off, when I'm driving right in front of me, as I look out the windshield, like in space, is my miles per hour. If I put it on the cruise control that 
uh, it tells me what I put it on and then my distance from a car. If I change the radio station, it tells me what the channel is so I never have to take my eye off the road to see what channel. Pretty incredible. All these safety things. I'm convinced it slows down. I don't know this for a fact, but I'm convinced it slows down as I take curves. It somehow knows I'm on a curve and slows me down on my cruise control. It's basically driving the car for me. It's the Hyundai technology is amazing. You do not think of, at least I never did, think of Hyundai as a brand that was on the cutting edge of all technology. But I was wrong. It's incredible. Check it out. The Hyundai Santa Fe, 4646 South State Street. Also in Logan and in Linden. Uh, Blake is usually at the Linden store. Uh, Jason helped us out as a sales guy at the Murray store when we bought our Santa Fe. This is wild. you got to check it out. Go see if you can test drive it. See what it's all about. It's all at 4646 South State Street. I want to tell you about WISE as well. They spell it W-Y-Z-E, and you can go to wyze.com slash lock to check it out. WISE is a camera for less than $20 that lets you check out, has night vision, has 1080p, goes right to your phone, um, an unbeatable price, and it gives you a vision of your house. You can use it if you want to check out your kid's room, if you can use it. Uh, it actually works with one of the Alexa video things. You can So you can check the baby's crib. You can check the packages outside your house if you're worried about Amazon packages and all that. You can do it on sound recognition. It has an endless continuous recording for you without um, – and there's uh, no storage fees to it. It's free-rolling uh, 14-day cloud storage. It's really cool. WYZE.com slash lock. Check it out. Just 19 19- – 99 just 1999 wyze.com slash locked and you have an extra little video camera for security or whatever you might want it to be at your house the athletic sam amick who does a bunch of locked and nba with us um did an anonymous player poll thought it was really interesting they talked to 127 players in the league that's a pretty good amount the MVP was James Harden, 44%. Giannis Adetokounmpo, 39%. Really close. Um, I mean, really close. So very um, interesting there. Paul George, Joel Embiid, Kyrie Irving, Dame Lillard, Kawhi Leonard also got votes. Who is the best defender in the league? 30% said Kawhi Leonard. 16% said Paul George. 15% said Rudy Gobert. I'm going to guess that's because very few people are actually guarded by Rudy Gobert. And so the guys that answer these questions are guys who are used to being guarded by these people. Patrick Beverly was four. Joel Embiid was five. Drew Holiday was six. Giannis Draymond and Chris Dunn were seven. And then um, some other... Royce O'Neal got a vote. Um, so interesting there. Joel Embiid at five seems really low. Best ball handler in the NBA was almost, out of 120, almost universal. 77% said Kyrie Irving. Steph, Kemba, James Harden got votes in there. The, uh, but that's a pretty big gap. You're building a roster from scratch. Who are you signing first? 125 players answered. Gian, this is from The Athletic. Giannis was one at 36%. Anthony Davis was two. 
Joel Embiid was three, Kevin Durant four, LeBron five, Steph six, Kawhi and Dame seven, Luka eight. Other players getting votes, Jason Tatum, Paul George, Trey Young, Nikola Jokic, Russell Westbrook, James Harden, Shea Gilgis, Alexander, Kyrie Irving, Demarcus Cousins. Players then have fun. They vote for Adonis Haslam and Shaquille Harrison. This is why you should never let players vote. But for the most part, this seems pretty well. Here's what jumps out to Sam that I thought was a great point. No Carl Anthony Towns. Interesting. Most overrated player in the NBA. Draymond Green and Russell Westbrook. I think Russell's probably true. And maybe Draymond's lost a step. Jimmy Butler, Andrew Wiggins, Carl Anthony Towns. James Harden, Ben Simmons, LeBron, James, Kyle, Lowry, other players being voted in there. Um, but that's interesting that Russ and Draymond. Who's the most underrated? Drew Holiday got the players' vote on that. Dame Lillard and Chris Middleton, the next two. Michael Conley after that. Bradley Beal, Kemble Walker, Lou Williams, C.J. McCollum. Lou Williams might be there. You know who's not mentioned here that should be in the top of this is Danilo Gallinari. I did some of my Clippers prep last night. What Danilo Gallinari is doing and how da- much L.A. is winning is because of Danilo Gallinari. He deserves to be mentioned. Other underrated votes, D'Angelo Russell, Malcolm Brogdon, Nikola Jokic, Tobias Harris, Pascal Siakam, Buddy Heald. Buddy Heald probably I would agree with. Spencer Dinwiddie, Joe Harris. And then a list of players, none of which included any jazz players. Derek Favors got mentioned. Um, Drew Holiday, interesting. Most underrated player in the league. Probably true. Best player of all time, 73% took Michael. LeBron comes in 12. Kobe at 11%. So interesting that Kobe is revered the way he is. It's just the numbers do not back it up. Who do you not, who don't you want to fight? James Johnson was number one. Stephen Adams, two. Zach Randolph, despite the fact he hasn't played all year. Three, Patrick Beverly, Serge Ibaka. Kind of funny that... Now, I think the story on James Johnson, by the way, is that he's a karate seven-time like world title winner in black belt. Um, and was like a kickboxer. And does mixed martial arts. So that's, I think, why nobody wants to fight him. Who talks the most trash... Draymond 1, Patrick Beverly 2, Russell Westbrook 3, Joel Embiid 4, Lance Stevenson 5, Joe Ingles 6. You were wondering when Joe was going to show up on that. Which coach, aside from your own, would you want to play for? Pop 1, Stevens 2, Kerr 3, D'Antoni 4, Doc 5, Mike Malone 6, Quinn 7, Mike Budenholzer 8, Kenny Atkinson, David Fisdale 9, and Terry Stotts and Fred Hoiberg tied for 10. Fred Hoiberg. Interesting. So playing for Pop still has great value. Which coach would you not want to play for? Tom Thibodeau, Jim Boylan, Igor Kokoshkov, Nate McMillan, Stan Van Gundy, Greg Popovich. Um, which team other than your own will win the title this year? Golden State gets 80% of the vote. Who's the best ref? Thought this was interesting. Zach Zarba, Kenny Maurer, Tony Brothers, Monty McCutcheon, who's not in the league anymore, Courtney Kirkland, Mark Davis, Ed Malloy. 
Um, only 56 players were willing to vote for this, which is interesting. Who's the worst ref? Tony Brothers, Scott Foster, Mark Davis. So the exact same names that were the best got named as the worst, which probably means they're doing a pretty good job. Michael Lewis, the great author, has a piece out right now about um, piece out right now on the refereeing in his new podcast. I know it was up on NPR the other day on This American Life. So, um, and you know, kind of the point is everybody wants a good ref, except for the fact that a good ref is biased toward you. Where will Kevin Durant play next year? 63% said New York. And then um, they asked him the biggest issue facing the league, and they, um, the answer was officiating and fan behavior. So, interesting, and super teams. I thought that was really well done. Thanks to Sam for that. I thought I'd share it with you. I know a lot of you probably don't subscribe to The Athletic. You're welcome to. Um, very impressive uh, work there by Sam and the crew. So, uh, hope you enjoyed that. And we'll and have that for you. Uh, we will play our fun little game called Time Machine Tuesday in just a second. The Locked On MLB podcast is getting great reviews with Sully. If you're a baseball fan, make sure you check that out. Locked On NFL with Matt Williamson is still rolling toward the draft, as is Locked On NFL Draft with Trevor and Ben and Draft Dudes. So all sorts of great podcasts in the Locked On Podcast network for you. Have you been to the barbecue pit stop yet? I mean, I've been telling you about the barbecue pit stop and the passion and the energy and the expertise. And then you have basically a lifelong barbecue advisor. There's three locations in Linden, in Lehigh, and in Salt Lake. And in Salt Lake, it's, uh, I might even stop by today. It's right on 3rd West and 1300 South. I met Kennedy up at the uh, store in Linden, and I was just blown away by his passion and what they've built there. Brian is in Salt Lake and supposedly Kennedy-esque. Clinton in Lehigh, Kennedy of that store. The amazing thing is that these pit masters and store managers all have the same passion as Kennedy. It's a barbecue pit stop. It's, I mean, I'm sitting there, this, this you're talking about Selection, a million rubs, sauces you can try forever, every single one of the smokers or grills that you could imagine, specialty advice. When he starts getting into me about, all right, so you got the blue hog competition sauce and you use the 75%, use this in competition, then you put this other 25%, use this one in competition, and you bring it around. I mean, it was awesome. And then... He's got, all right, well, if you've got ribs, then everyone's different around ribs. But, and particularly, this is great. I love this story they told me. Because they're near Hill Air Force Base in in the Linden store, everyone has a different view of what you're supposed to do with ribs because they come from all across the country. And that's what's so beautiful about the barbecue pit stop. Like, you could decide to do something Memphis-style or St. Louis-style or different parts of the country. Um, you know, if you're doing pork and chicken, Kenny was like, you got to use the Plowbirds barbecues and then you bring in the OBQs with the sweet and the heat. I mean, I just loved it. It was so great. Check it out. Barbecue pit stop. That's passion that you have to love. Over 300 sauces and rubs. Everyone has a sampler. Check it all out. Barbecue pit stop in Lehigh and in Linden and in Salt Lake City at 13 South and 3rd West. All right, let's go. Back into the time machine. 
Let's see what the little bag pulls out today for the Utah Jazz Time Machine Tuesday. And what year are we going back to in franchise history? I reach in, I grab, and I have 1992. Ooh, I think that's a good one. Sloan's taken over in 92. I think this is the year we lose to the Portland Trailblazers in the Western Conference Finals. Let's go find out. 1992, April 9th, we played the Dallas Mavericks for our 50th win of the year. Maybe appropriate. Had we won 50 before? Is this the first time ever in franchise history we'd won 50? No. We won 54 in 90-91, won 55 in 89-90, won 51 in 88-89. That's the year Sloan took over midway through for Frank. So in 91-92, we beat the Dallas Mavericks on this day to... Win our 50th game. We win it 113 to 90. Dallas goes to 19 and 58. All right. We think that um, we think that tanking is new. Listen to the Dallas Mavericks starting lineup, and I bet you you cannot tell me anything other than maybe you can tell me the college of one of these players. I mean, I've never. I'm a big fan, guys. I've never heard of them. Mike Uzzaluni, I-U-Z-Z-O-L-I-N-O. Izzolono? I don't know. He ended up playing 122 games. He actually started 44. He's out of... He went to Penn State. Okay? Tracy Moore. Tracy Moore bounced around the league for 119 games. Rodney McRae was one of the McRae brothers from Louisville. He was actually the third pick of the 90-83 draft, so he was actually a name. Doug Smith played like 300 NBA games. And Donald Hodge. Okay, that was Herb Williams, Brian Howard, Randy White, Tom Garrick, and Brian Quinette. The Dallas Mavericks... The Jazz rolled that night. Mailman had 28 and 11 in 28 minutes. Jeff Malone had 26 and 31 minutes. Stockton had 6 points and 14 assists. Mark Eaton had 6 assists and 1 block in that game. Ty Corbin came off the bench for 14. Corey Crowder had 6. Eric Murdoch had 2 as the Jazz just kind of cruised. That was a, a, a tanking Dallas Maverick team. The Jazz would go on to win 55 games that year. They would not lose another game for the rest of the year. They would close the year on a seven-game win streak. They would beat the Clippers during the riots. Oh, yeah. I was in college. I went to these games. During the riots in L.A. in a tough five-game series, then would go on to beat the Supersonics in a a five-game series before losing to the Blazers with the crushing game being Game 5 in Portland. They lost in overtime. The Jazz tied it up, went to OT, and lost to Portland in OT. That was an incredible game. The Jazz fell behind early, fought their way back. That's one of the, you know, kind of where the franchise could have changed. Um, on a, it was a, Stockton only went one of six. I remember this game. Stockton went one of six. Uh, Tyrone Corbin was unbelievable in that game five overtime loss to Portland. He had tw- he had 28 points off the bench. Buck Williams, Clyde Drexler, Jerome Kersey, Terry Porter, and Kevin Duckworth. They all had big games. Kersey had 29. Terry Porter had 24. He was a hard one for Stockton to play. My f- the, the one that's incredible looking back at this game, 
Buck Williams, 52 minutes. Clyde Drexler, 50. Jerome Kersey, 48. Terry Porter, 47. Portland played seven players that night. They only played 28 minutes off their bench the entire night. I think Rick Adelman was the head coach. Mailman played 51 minutes in overtime. He had 38. Jeff Malone had 23. Mark Eaton, I think, got in foul trouble that night. Um, and the Jazz lost that in overtime. Then they came home for game six and fell 105 to 97. If I remember correctly, kind of lost that one, fell apart late in that one. Uh, in fact, they were tied going into the fourth quarter and then really fell apart. Um, Late in that ball game, uh, as John went five of nineteen and one of eight from three, he did have twelve assists. But Terry Porter was always a really hard matchup for John at that stage of time without a second ball handler um, to help him out. Jeff Malone went seven of seventeen. Uh, Mailman had twenty three and nineteen that night. Ty Corbin had another amazing night. He had twenty two points. He was great during that playoff series. All right, that is our time machine Tuesday. Jazz in Denver. Then we'll talk to you from L.A. Um. Oh, Utah, the Jazz Clippers game will now be televised by ESPN. Doesn't matter. You'll still get uh, Craig and Matt, so make sure you grab that instead. But that is now, that just means we're going to be late. That actually, the only thing that's interesting about that is it means our commercial breaks are later and um, our commercial breaks are longer. And so we will actually play the final game of the season and just get home later. That's all that means. Have a great one. Thanks very much for tuning in. WYZE.com slash locked. Also, check out the Barbecue Pit Stop in Murdoch Hyundai. Uh, locked on MLB. Locked on NBA this week. Wes Goldberg, David Ramil. Today is a Tuesday show. We have a special program coming for you on uh, special program coming for you on Thursday and Friday for NBA previews on Locked on NBA and a special three special podcasts for you. Ben Golliver, Sam Amick, and I will do a playoff preview and uh, for you, and then we'll have matchup previews for the Eastern and Western Conference on for you as well on Locked on NBA. It's all coming up on Locked on Podcast Network. Have a great day.